You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode 28 of Electric Bike Radio. Here we pedigo again. I'm Jared, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Wayne. Hey, Jared. So, as you know, we don't always have guests on the podcast, but when we do, they're often CEOs of electric bike companies. And this week, we're thrilled to have the CEO of Pedigo Electric Bikes, Don DeConstanzo. Don, thanks so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's a real pleasure to meet you, Don. So, as you know, our podcast is about electric bikes and the electric bike community and the electric bike lifestyle. Uh, we try to be brand agnostic to an extent, but we talk about different bike brands. And listeners already know that Dwayne loves his uh, Pedego bike. Definitely. I am a Pedego customer, a Pedego fan. And I think we'll get into some of those reasons why, Don. But, but first, I want to talk just a little bit about your origin story. Now, I'll remind listeners of the podcast that Pedego has its own podcast, uh, the Pedego Podcast, and I've been a guest on the show, and and you've told your story on that show and and elsewhere. So we don't necessarily need to do the whole thing, but I think it's some interesting, you know, background and perspective. You know that you you love bikes, you discovered electric bikes, and you found that the market was was lacking for electric bikes, right? Well, yeah, the, just the one minute version is, is, you know, I rode bikes when I was a kid, like everybody else did. And then when I got my driver's license and discovered girls, that was the end of bikes until I got in my fifties. <laughs> and I decided that riding a bike is a good idea until I had to face that one big hill that we all, we all dread. And when I, once I faced that one big hill, I decided there might be a better way to get up the hill. So I investigated, found electric bikes, bought one. It got me up the hill. And this was in 2007 or 2006. And I said, this is something to this. So 2007, I opened up a retail store in Newport Beach, California, sold everything electric. 2008, I sold the store and started Pedego because I really believe there was a big, bright future for people riding electric bikes. Well, Don, you know, I have a question about how do you design, how do you set out to design and manufacture an e-bike? I, I know at the beginning, obviously you, you started from scratch really, but every time you come up with a new design, how do you go through that process of creating something brand new every few years? Well, so first of all, they're all consumer driven. We, we build uh, bikes for what the consumer wants, not necessarily what you know we think they want. And we do a lot of research with the consumer. We get feedback. Um, when I had my store, I knew that the customers that we were appealing to at that time were aging baby boomers who wanted to get some recreational fun and they wanted an upright bike. And the two things I learned from the customers that walked into that store, by the way, we, we didn't have electric bikes off the shelf. We were building them. We were, we were buying frames from uh, bike companies and they were adding the motor and the battery and the controller and the throttle to them. So we could pick whatever they wanted. And I quickly learned that they wanted cruiser style bikes. Uh, and they wanted color. Uh, the men always ask me how far do they go or how fast do they go, and the women ask me what colors do they come in. <laughs> so we came out with just our first line of bikes were, were cruiser bikes, and they were easy to get on and off. We made a classic, which is a men's bike, and a step through, which is a woman's bike, and we made the men's in one or two colors, and made we made the the, the step throughs of the women's bikes in ten or twelve colors because that's all they really cared about. So that's the design in the beginning. Then the next request from people were for folding bikes. So we launched a folding bike. The next request we got from folks is they wanted a mountain bike. And we discovered they really didn't want a mountain bike. They wanted a mountain style bike. Big difference, right? A mountain bike for a cyclist is a hardcore, you know, tear them up, you know, uh, highly technic technical bike with a front rear suspension and 
all these fancy gadgets. What they really wanted was a bike that looked like a mountain bike that they could ride in a mountain bike position. So we came out with that and each product evolved. We're, we launched five new products this year that will be coming out in, in June or July. And they're all first. Basically, we've got 18 models now, but we launched five more because every customer has a different preference. It's like buying a pair of shoes. Not everybody wants sneakers or dress shoes or, or, or you know, uh, or um, stilettos. You know, I gave my stilettos up a long time ago. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> so, so, so the idea is, is that, that people want a bike that they're comfortable on. And if they're comfortable on it, they'll ride it more often. And then we want it to be safe. They have to fit on the bike. There's nothing worse than seeing somebody with a bike which is too big for them or too small for them. Yeah, and it goes without saying, you know, the, the Pedego concept, the designs have done exceedingly well. You're, you're one of the biggest e-bike uh, sellers in the country. Um, we want to talk to you about two different things, I guess. We want to talk to you a little bit about the bikes, but we also want to talk to you about the dealer network because I know that's a big part of your of your business model. But let's let's start with the bikes first because everybody who listens to the podcast wants to know about bikes, right? Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I own a Pedego bike. My wife and I both have uh, boomerangs. You know, I find that Pedego bikes, they're not inexpensive, but they're super nice quality. Uh, and they're great looking bikes, which obviously is part of part of the design, right? You wanted a good looking bike. Well, yeah. So, you know, there's a balance between function, form and function. And we think we've, we strike a perfect balance. The boomerang is a perfect example of that. We knew there were a lot. By the way, the boomerang is a very low step through. So it's really easy to get on and off. And that was like our fourth model because I found a lot of men couldn't get their leg over so while they might want to get a men's bike, they didn't want to buy what they would call a girl's bike, which would have been mm -hmm. a step through. So we call it a classic, which has the bar up top and a step through, which is what most people, a lot of people would call a girl's bike. But the fact is that the, 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 some men wouldn't want to buy a bike that was considered a girl's bike. So we came up with the boomerang, which is, by the way, asexual. There's no sexual preference. It doesn't look like a boy's bike or a girl's bike, <laughs> and it appeals to everybody. And most of the people who buy them, they buy them as a couple. They buy them as a pair. So that style is an attractive style that comes in multiple colors. There's lots of options. You can colorize it. You can make it really fun looking bike without looking like a scooter or something else. So that's an important, a, a very important asset. But the other thing is, is we've got to have the right sizes. So that, that particular model comes in a 24 inch design and a 26 inch depending on how tall you are. And that's another important aspect. So we have colors and sizes. Our, our interceptor, which comes in three sizes, it comes in a 24 inch, a 26 inch and a 29 inch. Why is it a 29 inch? Because I six foot one. And when I was driving the 26, but I always had the seat post up, you know, yay high. And whenever I, whenever I parked the bike, I found myself lowering the seat post so people wouldn't see how ugly it is with that big seat post sticking up on a cruiser. So hence we came out with a 29 inch. Now at six foot one, which is my height, the seat post is pretty much flush with the bottom. So I don't have to lower it anymore. And we found out there's a lot of tall people in the world that nobody catered to an electric bike for them. So size is important as, as, as much as color is. The second question uh, I think you asked was about distribution. Our dealers, well, was that? Well, hold on. Let, 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 me, okay. let me comment on the on the boomerang thing, because that's exactly how my wife and I got into the bikes, is, is that she liked the boomerang. She has... Um, she has some health issues. It's hard for me to um, get her back on a bike since since then, and sometimes it's still hard. But 
But the only bike I can get her on is her boomerang because it's very easy for her to step through the frame. And we wound up buying matching bikes. And actually, like you said, I like it a lot too. It's a, you know, I rode interceptors too and that sort of thing. And I can get my leg over the bike, obviously, but um, doesn't mean you always want to, especially if you got stuff on the back and you have a, you know, a trunk bag and that kind of thing. It really is nice having a step through frame. And I do. And, and the boomerang is sort of unique. I don't know that there are any other manufacturers out there who are making a frame like that. So I really do appreciate that bike well good that's good to hear well just so you know the the, the distinguished for the listeners the boomerang which is our very very super low step bike easy to get on and off very stylish it was named by our facebook owners group somebody on there we asked for a name for it and they called it the boomerang i thought that's magic because it looks like a boomerang because it's shaped like a boomerang it'll get you there and back and we designed it for baby boomers so i've never seen a name that good and i'd like to take credit for it but all i take credit for it realizing it was the perfect name for the bike but that platform, the driveline on that car and that bike is the same as the Interceptor and the same as the City Commuter. So the same motor, same drivetrain. It's just a question of the body style. So it's just a different design of the bike, depending on what people like. So those three bikes are the same price. They have the same characteristics. They use the same common components. They're just different styles. And Don, you mentioned a couple of times that, uh, you know, your, your original target was baby boomers, or at least, at least that was the main market. Not that you're targeting to, to one and only customer, but that's who you're going after first, right? That's where the, where the customers were. hundred percent, um, but we, yeah, we hundred, hundred percent from the beginning. Now, have you found that's changed at all, or have you intended to change it? You've got a couple of bikes out there that I've seen that I think would be a little younger, like the element or maybe the latch, those two being kind of shorter frames, one of them being a folding bike. They seem a little bit more more active and maybe dedicated towards young people. Is that intended? Yes, absolutely. So, Jared, the thing that we did discover um, over time, and you do this from having a store in 2007 and opening Pedigo in 2008 and having 200 and some odd retail outlets, we understand what the consumer's wants are. So we, for the first five or six years, we only sold them to baby boomers. But then it evolved into a lot of seniors. We had a 95-year-old guy in, in North Carolina buy one. And so we discovered the senior market. So at the time, and it's probably the same, there were 75 million aging baby boomers and 60 million seniors. So there's 125 million people. And guess what they have that the young people don't have? Money. (laughs) So so you go fishing where the fish are and the fish are. And, you know, we build a high quality, more expensive bike, although our bikes are average price in today's world. I mean, you can buy bikes on Amazon for five hundred dollars and you can buy really high end road bikes and mountain bikes for electric bikes for fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, and our price point is, is somewhere in between there. Our, our, our starter bike or our bike for younger generation, although people of all ages are buying it, and it became our number one seller last year, is our Element, because it starts at $18.95. It's priced right. It comes in six different flavors, colors, if you will. Um, and it's it's adjustable to just about any height. I'm one, and I can buy it. And yet we can put a four foot eight or four foot 10 person on it and they can ride it too. So it's become the bike of choice because of the price point, $18.95. And because of the fact it's such a fun bike to ride, it's got fat tires on it and it's easy to jump on and off. And it's, you know, if I'm going to run a quick errand, I'll jump on one of those and take off and you just turn it on and go. So it's like, it's almost like a scooter, but it's still a bike and you still has fully functional pedals. And that's kind of the thing that I've noted in a lot of other bikes that are in the market. They're really just scooters that they put pedals on and they want to call it a bike because you can't get leg extension. And anybody who's a cyclist, when you ride a bike, you want leg extension. You want at least full leg extension, if not 80 or 90% leg extension. So those little tiny squatty bikes don't give that. And they're, I, I think I call those pedals foot pegs. 
So right. the, the, the key thing is here is that we've got now here in California, we've got all kinds of kids riding these bikes to school. You go to the bike rack show, you'll see them loaded with every brand of electric bikes you can imagine. And ours are considered to be the better. Uh, the banker tells me his son has it. And they go, oh, my God, you've got a Pedigo. In other words, that's a little more <laughs> of a premium brand than some of the other products that are out there. Nice, nice. Well, that's a great that's a great position to be in in the market for sure. What um, now? I've heard you say that uh, there's your Series Three bikes are coming out this year. What, what's what's new in the in the third revision of bikes? Well, we don't have enough time in this podcast for me to cover <laughs> all of it, but uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of new features on the bikes. Uh, they're more powerful. We've got longer range batteries. Uh, we've got a larger uh, front chain ring, so you don't outrun the bike. One of the flaws in most electric bikes is you get up to 18, 19 miles an hour and you keep pedaling and you're pedaling to air because you just can't get, there's not enough momentum. So that's solved engineering wise by putting a front, but you know, there's some ways that we can change the gearing so you can pedal past 20. Uh, we've made our bikes now class three uh, flexible so that you can take a regular class two bike and make it a class three bike with some software changes. Um, our bikes are all class one and class two. I mean, they all have pedal assist and they all have a throttle. So they're both class one and class two. So some people want to say the class one's better than class two or class two is better than class one. I say, you know what? It doesn't matter. The customer gets to decide what's better for them. So have a bike that's class one and class two. And, and Dwayne, as you know, your bikes are class one and class two. We mm-hmm. put a class two sticker on it because we're, we're proud of the fact that it's throttle activated. Now, you may never use the throttle or you may be one of those people that need the throttle. Some people need it to get going. They're particularly advantageous at a, at a stop light when you need to get going and your pedals aren't in the right position. You twist the throttle, you bring your pedals, your things off and off you go. Yeah, Jared and I both drive bikes with with the throttle and we we definitely appreciate, you know, having that ability. Like you said, especially uh, taking off from a stop, it's it's nice to be able to have that uh, rather than have that those awkward moments when you're just trying to get, you know, get going on your bike. So, I, Well, I think the key thing like is, did you, did you, did you, Dwayne, did you try a lot of the bikes? Did you test ride a lot of the Pedagos when you went to the Pedago store? I, I did. I, I tried a couple of them and I've rented some since then. So I've, I've put some miles on an Interceptor and, um, you know, I've, I've ridden an Element, but okay. uh, definitely have the most time on the, on the Boomerang. So that that's the secret sauce here for our from our perspective is people need to try the bikes before they buy them. They can go to 200 locations and rent them. And I to people said, should I buy an electric bike? I, my advice is hell no. Don't buy an electric bike. Go <laughs> rent one first to decide, number one, if it's right for you. And number two, to find out that you're buying the right one. If you don't try them out, how are you going to know? It's like buying a pair of shoes and you don't even get the right size. Well, I think I'm a size 10, but I'm not sure. So I'll order, you know, and you order them and they, and they don't fit. I just got size 10s and I'm actually a 10 and a half. And I forgot and I put the wrong, I checked the wrong box and I had to get them and send them back. And the 10s were too tight. So the point is, is that trying them out is really a, a, a very important thing when you're making this kind of investment. Because most of the time you buy one online, you can't return it once the box is open. You own it. And then the other key thing is, is what's the warranty and where's it going to get fixed? So in our case, we have a five-year warranty on almost all of our models. And you can take it to any Pedego store or in the U.S. and Canada, even Bermuda or Hawaii, and you can get the bike fixed and we have the parts to fix them. 
Well, that covers a lot of the questions Wade was going to ask about that. So uh, you've covered a lot. You've done this before, Don, clearly. He's a professional. (laughs) I think the most important thing is people listening on this call, they either own an e-bike or they're considering getting one. And by the way, I would prefer that we call them electric bicycles or electric bicycles rather than e-bikes because we're getting getting mixed up with the motorcycle industry. So, you know, Mm. Simon Cowell rode a motorcycle. They called it an e-bike. Okay, so everyone thinks e-bikes are dangerous. I got like 50 phone calls when Simon Cowell had his first accident because everybody thought assumed it was a pedigo because we sell to so many, so many celebrities have our bikes, Martha Stewart, William Shatner, and go down to the list. Shaq's bought three of them. Sharina, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 not Sharina Williams, Serena Williams, all these celebrities um, buy pedigos. And by the way, we've never, we've never paid any of them. So whenever a celebrity has an accident, they think it's a Simon Cowell was on a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> He was, and they call it an e-bike, and it gives the whole name. So if they called it an electric motorcycle, and we called ours electric bicycles, it would separate the two. Yeah, when we started out this podcast, that was the one thing uh, Dwayne and I talked about is what do we think the definition of an electric bike is? And it was very much something that pedaling has to be maybe not the primary mode of, of uh, propulsion, but it has to be a significant part of it. It can't just be something you're going to ride and you throttle all the time. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Simon, Simon Cowell. I think we got several emails after the first one and another dozen or two after the second <laughs> accident. Too, yeah. So same kind of thing. We're totally with you on that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about um, something else I heard you say once. Well, really it's about your dealer network. So you've been in this game for a long time. You've been, I think Pedico has been the very top of having any dealer network of any company out there. And for so very long, maybe it's just starting to change a little bit now, but for so very long, you were the only one with a real significant dealer network that I know of. Why do you think that is? And do you, why do you think people are maybe starting to look at it differently now? Well, uh, so first of all, it's all about, to me, it's all about the experience. And every category gets one, what I call a ubiquitous brand. And what is a ubiquitous brand? If I said yoga wear, what are you going to say? Hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Lululemon, I'll help Lululemon you. Lululemon or, or Kleenex or, yep. I know if I said motorcycles, I'll make it easier. If I said motorcycles, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Harley Davidson. So we, we modeled our business model after Harley Davidson. If I say electric cars, what are you going to say? Tesla. Hands down, right? Who's second? I don't know. Is there a second? So every category gets one ubiquitous brand. Um, mm-hmm. And our goal has been to be that ubiquitous brand since day one. This business was not created to sell bikes. It was to give to to offer people something fun and recreational to do that they could get some exercise and enjoy it. So we don't have any salespeople at Pedigo, none, zero. There's not a single salesperson that works at Pedigo. And you could argue that I am because I'm the CEO and I've got a selling ability, but we don't sell bikes. We educate people. Um, most people just want to buy my bike, buy my bike, buy my bike. Uh, we don't do that. We educate and inform people. And the only way you can do that successfully is belly to belly. In a, in, a, in a retail sales environment where people can try the, the bikes. Now, it's no secret that I came from the automobile business. My family owned mm-hmm. a chain of car dealerships. I spent 20 years providing products and services to car dealerships. And I understand how important it is for that customer to come onto that uh, Toyota lot or wherever and look at the cars and say, yeah, I'm looking for a forerunner. And they may leave with a, with a, with a RAV4 or something else, but the fact is they came on, they looked at the different products, they evaluated the pricing and all that. And to a certain degree, you can do that on the internet, but you can't test drive one on the internet. It's the missing link. And you sure can't rent one on the internet and explain to me how you're going to fix it on the internet. So in order to build out a, a, a successful network, I knew I needed uh, uh, passionate people that wanted to sell them, rent them, service them, 
and, uh, and, and then provide events for people to ride in. So we have all that going on at a Pedigo store. It's the epicenter. And we're going to, we're going from 200 stores to a thousand stores because we want everybody to be within 20 minutes of a Pedigo location in order for them to try the products out. And most importantly, rent them and to get to know the owner and know that they can bring it back, whether it be a flat tire or a, a bigger problem. And the last and the most important thing is, is anybody buying an electric bike right now needs to understand that that battery is going to fail someday. It's going to fail. And the, the batteries are almost all proprietary to the brand. If that brand's not around, you now have a very heavy bike because you won't be able to get a battery for it. And rebuilding, it's not really a viable option because it's dangerous and expensive. So it's kind of like you don't really rebuild the battery in your flashlight. Near would you rebuild the battery on your, on your electric bike. So having the resource and battery, we have batteries for every bike we ever made. If you bought a bike from me in 2009, we have a battery that we can put on that bike. I have to tell you that the store experience was what ultimately sold my wife and I on on Pedigo bikes. And and a shout out to uh, to Alan uh, and his crew at, at Pedigo, the Pedigo store in Dunedin, Florida, uh, where we walked in. I'd already done a lot of research. I'd ridden some electric bikes, but I, I walked into the store that day not uh, necessarily <laughs> going to buy a bike. And uh, and my you know by the time we had been there for a while, and we spent we spent quite a bit of time in the store. Uh, my wife said, "Yeah, this." you know we're, we're buying a bike and and it was because you know the store was great the people were great there's a real sense of community there it wasn't a hard sell you know it was a try this try that what do you think of this what, what do you think of that and we had uh and since then you know the service from the store has been fantastic you know we had a we had a minor issue uh with my bikes my wife's bike when we first picked it up and Alan came out, picked it up at the house, took it back to the store, fixed it, and brought it back the next day. You know, I mean, it was, uh, you, you just don't get service like that with any kind of product. And so that was really what sold me on the on the dealer network. And, and when I traveled, when I went out, I was at the Summerlin, uh, Pedigo Summerlin out in Las Vegas, rented bikes from them for, uh, for about two weeks while we did a trip out there. They went over and above to get me a bike rack and help me with things. I mean, you really feel like you're a part of the family. Family, and that's a that's a very cool experience. Well, Dwayne, I'll warn you is, is that's how we get all of our store owners. They start out renting bikes, then they buy them, and then they call us up and said, I want to open a store in Dunedin, or I want to open a store in in, in, in Summerlin. Uh, we're opening Lake Las Vegas this weekend, on, uh, which will be the third store in Las Vegas to make sure that we're within 20 minutes of everybody. So, you know, that's the key secret, the secret to our success, which was the original question. And in a world where the, the retail's declining, and bike shops are declining. There used to be 20,000 bike shops in, in, in this country, and now there's 3,000, and they're not adding anymore. They're on the decline. We're going countercultural, and we're adding stores, and our stores are successful. We've had exactly one fail you know, in all the years we've been doing them, one out and out or a failure. With, and it wasn't because they were in a great market. They just, it was a poor business person, and uh, that person now works in a pedigo store. So... <laughs> It's a great right. business model. And by the way, we're not a franchise and each place is independently owned and operated by local entrepreneurs. We like them to be involved in the community. And by being in the community, they can then be there and you know their their reputation is on the line as, as much as ours is. Now we've been in the midst of of global shipping problems and supply problems and all that with 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 COVID and the pandemic and everything that's followed. And I know for a while there was it was hard to get bikes and you guys were having issues just getting them getting them into stores and stuff is that is that getting better or is stock up in local stores now or are we still struggling a little bit 
Our stores are all loaded for bear, as I say. They're stocked. Our warehouse, we had to run another warehouse down the street. We did get into a shortage during COVID and getting bikes. And we could get them made. We just couldn't get them shipped. We had trouble getting containers. And what used to take three weeks, it was taking 12 to 14 weeks. So we definitely got slowed down on, on, on our most popular models. We never, Nobody ever ran out of bikes. Our stores never ran out of bikes. We never ran out of bikes because we had a steady flow coming. But the demand started exceeding the supply. But fortunately, we had a pipeline full of stores that had supply. But that's all since, from our perspective, it's all gone away. My understanding is the bike industry, that's not true. There's still a lot of people that are having supply chain issues. We have six factories that produce our bikes. Different factories can make the same bike. So we have a steady flow. And literally, we we doubled our warehouse space uh, in the last two months to store. And we had containers in the parking lot. This is the season for us for the rest of the country. I can tell you, though, that Florida was just gangbusters this year. I mean, our sales in our Florida stores are off the charts. Our store in Fort Myers never sold more than 25 bikes in any month. They sold 50 in February. So, and because we've got supply. And I think that's what makes a big difference is there's one thing to have demand, but if you don't have the supply to fill it, you never know. You never got that opportunity back. But Dwayne, I want to turn this around a little bit. How how has your pedagogy changed your life? You know, uh, so I mentioned that my, my, my wife had a heart attack. She had some heart issues. We used to ride, we used to ride bikes a lot. And then after that, we didn't. Um, and, and getting her, like I said, there's, so there's good days and bad days. I can't always get her out to ride, but the only way I get her out to ride is putting her on an electric bike because she feels comfortable that if she, if she gets to a point where she doesn't feel well, you know, and she doesn't, uh, feel strong that she can get home. You know, so we still have that ability uh, to go out and to ride, and I'm riding a lot more. I mean, I've always liked bikes. Jared and I have been on bikes our whole lives. I've, I've road bikes and mountain bikes and that sort of thing, and so this is just sort of the natural evolution of where we are, and, and I love it. Be- not because I can't ride uh, my well, we we struggle sometimes as to what to call it. I ask you what you call them: acoustic, what, acoustic, what acoustic bike, acoustic, acoustic bike. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I find that uh, we go a lot farther. We do a lot more things. You know, Jared and I ride a lot. Uh, we, we go a lot farther than we would on, on a traditional bike because we can. Yeah, well, you didn't answer the question the way I thought it would. You loved it so much you created a podcast. <laughs> well, that is true. And that was, you know, that was a big, a big impetus is uh, Jared had been into electric bikes a little longer than I had. And when when I uh got into it and got one and realized how great it was and how there is a whole community that is built around electric bikes, not just Pedego bikes. Pedego has a strong community, but just e-bikers in general or e-bicyclers, uh, you know, <laughs> there was a market out there. And um, I had a podcast already and that sort of thing. I was looking for to do something that was a little bit less work-related and more fun and, and rope Jared in. <laughs> well, you, you, you touched on a real uh, important word, building a community, and you're exactly right. There's a large electric bike community out there. There's a lot of little pockets of them. We have electric bike uh, pedago communities centered around every store, and we have the, the Palooza bus, which is our 20-foot tour, our 40-foot tour bus, which is touring the country right now. It left, uh, it, it was started in Temecula. It's in Oro Valley t- uh, tomorrow doing a, a grand opening. It'll be in Lake Las Vegas on Sunday or in sa- on Sunday. And then it's going to travel around the country. It's coming to Florida. It's coming. You can go on our, our website to see where it is. And this is a, 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 a experienced event 
that's designed for our customers to go out and go for a ride. And usually there's a 50 to 100 to 150 people out doing a long ride. And at the end, we have a nice lunch or we have a nice, you know, and there's sometime after that, there's even cocktails involved. So we make it community-based. Some of our stores have weekly rides centered at the store. They meet at the store and they go out on a ride. Um, other stores have them once a month. Um, we have them annually. We have the Grand Palooza, which is the banner behind me. Uh, we have 500 people go to the air show. We buy them tickets for the air show. These are customer appreciation events. We don't sell any bikes. Our stores pretty much close up the store that day unless somebody begs to buy a, a phone holder or something like that. And these are customer appreciation events because the culture of owning a product like a Pedigo is critical to our business model, exactly like Harley Davidson does. Yeah, I have yet to go to a Palooza event, but I see them on the website and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping some will come, you know, come to uh, Central Florida and I'll, I'll go out of my way to get get to one for sure. Oh, there's there there. I think there's eight or nine in Florida starting at the end of March. So go to the website and see it. And I'll be at many of them. So hopefully we can meet face to face. Absolutely, that'd be great, Don. Maybe you can. Uh, although I love my bike, maybe you can lend me a Pedego so I can come with y'all. It's the only way we let you in. If you come with another bike, they'll beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last question, then we're going to let you go, Don. When you're riding on your set on your own or with a group, what do you ride? I have a 29 inch uh, Pedego Interceptor. Platinum edition with mag wheels. Um, it's the it's the best bike we make. But I don't mind riding a boomerang. In fact, I love to jump on one. My wife has a boomerang. We have a extra bikes in our garage for our friends and neighbors to ride. We use the boomerang for that because it's really easy to jump on. And it's the best bike for somebody who hasn't cycled in a long time to get on and off and to teach them how to ride a bike. So that product alone is 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 been is probably our number two bestseller after the element. It's priced a little bit higher, but it fits people like Dwayne and his wife. And I can't tell you how many people, how many, how many of our customers buy the boomerangs two, uh, two at a time. One, one particular customer came in to buy one element, left with two, two boomerangs. Uh, it happens all the time. That is another thing that I love. My boomerang has the mag wheels, and I, I like that a lot. I'm, I'm on the heavier side for a rider. Uh, on my other bikes, sometimes I have issues with you know spokes getting loose and that sort of thing. And, boy, the, the mag wheels are, are just great for that. Not only do they look great, but they're very functional, and I'm glad that's an option. So the other thing you need to do is you need to make sure you carry some of this goop with you. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this is the stuff that stops the tire from getting flat. So yes. if the tire should get flat. Are you familiar with this? It's called, <laughs> I wouldn't, I, you know, we've just labeled it our own, but the company that makes it's called Goop. And it's the best. I can't tell you how many times it saved me and friends and people on a ride that get a flat. Our typical riders or owners aren't the people that know how to change a flat, unlike the bicycle industry. And it's very complicated to change a flat on a rear tire when you got cables and motors and gears. One little shot of this gets you back to the Pedego store a week or two later. <laughs> there you go. Well, Don, thanks. I, we'd love to have you on the show again. I know there's a ton of things that we could talk about, and we will remind everybody that they can hear a lot more uh, on the Pedago podcast. We'll put a link in there to, to your show, and I've heard some great guests on your show, and uh, including Pedago fan William Shatner, who you mentioned earlier, uh, and maybe you could put in a good word for us with Bill. We could get him on our show. I'll, I'll go to work on that. I do suggest that we do have another dialogue on this on class one, class two, class three restrictions. Why, why we should fight hard for class one and class two. The other thing we need to talk about is safety and helmets and safety training. Uh, there's just a lot of topics I'd be delighted to talk to you about. That would be, oh, that'd be wonderful. We need to do that. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show.
I enjoyed getting to know you guys. And I will make sure we'll let you know where the Paloozas are that we can meet up in Florida. And I'll let you know which ones I'm going to be at. Great. That'd be fantastic. Okay. But I am going to be at the one in Dunedin. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. Right, we'll we'll there. be there. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, yeah, Tom. Well. All right. Bye-bye. You can follow or subscribe to the show on your podcast player choice so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter or email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. Our contact information and links to things we mentioned in the show, for instance, the Pedago podcast and Pedago, uh, will always be in the show notes, and they are viewable on your podcast player. And if you don't want to look at your podcast player, you can also see them on our website at www.ebikeradio.com. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio.